What is one thing every black person has in common? <laughs> Wrong. You're listening to Durags and Degrees. <laughs> What's up, y'all? This is Jermaine, and surprisingly, I am a very, very good barbecuer. Is that a word? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> I'm not sure if that's a word, but what's up, y'all? It's Jordan, and you can find me on Huddle. I know that's surprising, and I'm not one of those people that talk about it, but I did used to play football every once in a while. Wow, you can up, find me. Pile. You can find me on Huddle. I'm weak. Um, what's up, y'all? This is Carl. <laughs> oh, Lord, this weather is getting to my throat. Um, and contrary to popular belief, but I actually enjoy shopping at Lowe's. It'll all make sense in my mind. <laughs> okay, first of all, I have a lot of things to say. Um, Jordan, you, okay, I have a question. You said find me on Huddle. Is that like a dating app? <laughs> no, I don't. No, huddle is. Um, if you ever look in somebody who plays football, they'll have the link to their huddle, and it's where you put all of the clips of you playing football together in a video, so that coaches can see it in one place. So, for instance, if like you're you go to a high school that doesn't recruit often, you can send people your huddle tape. And, like, you're supposed to do it, like, when you're a sophomore, junior, senior, so that they then are interested to come see you. But So it is a that. dating app. I mean, <laughs> is it a dating app or is it the $40 million slave app? Let's be very clear. And I, oh, but that's another conversation for another time. Cause, okay, because I used to wonder, I used to be like, who is making all these 17-year-olds highlight reels? Because all of them don't deserve one. But <laughs> we do. this Dead. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, y- y- y'all was good? Did, did you win the championship? I don't... I was good. <laughs> I was good. We, I mean, we didn't... We made the playoffs, I think, like, twice during my time there. But I was good. I don't know about everybody oh, else. Good. But I just put it together because... Let me be very clear. If you go to a D3 school, they're not allowed to give out uh, athletic scholarships. They can only give academic scholarships. And I had the academics. So technically what I was planning to do was go to a D3 school and quit the team. And they couldn't take my money back because it was academic. Hallelujah. Cheat the so, system. Hallelujah. I, 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 I wasn't cheating the system. They were trying to cheat the system. And they True. got bamboozled. True. Period. Period. Carl, my question to you, sir is please expound as to why you enjoy shopping in that male dungeon. Thank you. Thank you for that question. Um, I like shopping at places like Lowe's, and I won't even be um, exclusionary and say even Home Depot and places like Ace. Um, Way worse. I am am fascinated with this idea of do-it-yourself. In fact, if you want to know how I was doing recently, I just built an entertainment center all by myself. Did it take me six hours? Yes, but it's it's kind of it wait wait me of wait. Something. I'm sorry. I have a question. Did sure. you did you build this entertainment center by yourself out of the box with a <laughs> piece of instructions? 
Um, I barely even read the instructions. But <laughs> they were there. Together. They were there, but I did it by uh, myself. And the thing doesn't is, count. The instruction count. sheet. The instruction sheet says it's recommended to have three people. Yeah, All products hit me there. But and th- um, that doesn't make it do it yourself. But go off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, from what I was saying, <laughs> um, I think that Miley Cyrus, um, which has been a guiding light for me in so many different ways, she has this song <laughs> called "It's the Climb." And I think that as I create different works of art, whether that be furniture or, you know, DIY kits, I put this little thing that's in front of me holding all of my kitchen utensils. It's about the client to get there because once it's there, it's like, oh, it's there. But the process to make it is so beautiful. Um, And that's why I'm so fascinated with places like Lowe's and places like Ace and places like Home Depot because they really show you a glimpse of all that is possible. And white Thank you. That's Cracker Barrel. Just Home Depot, not Lowe's. <laughs> all of them. All of oh. them. Ace, is, Ace shows you all the possibilities for keys. Lowe's has great light fixtures. Um, and then Home Depot, they just have everything. You know? Yeah. Thank you for your question. Wait, I thought Home Depot was canceled. I didn't know that. I wasn't aware. I don't even believe in cancel culture. We had a whole episode on this. But, um... I wasn't aware. <laughs> oh, wow. Jermaine, what do you like the well, barbecue? Oh, girl, everything. Give me a side of ribs. Give me some chicken. Give me a steak. Give me some vegetables, some potatoes, a kebab. Whatever your heart desires, mm. you can put it on my fire. Huh. You are so corny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm logging off. I, I oh, my God. That sure. was the one. That I was haven't had pork but ribs no, yeah. in so long. Oh, you, you one of those vegans? You a vegan? Do I look oh, like no. I'm vegan? I should go vegan. Let's be really clear. But no. <laughs> I, Quick um, thing about that. Not that I want to make that a whole topic or a conversation. But did y'all know that um, there was a veganism movement within the Black Panther Party? And like Coretta Scott King and all of Like they were all vegan. I think that's just. So amazing! That's something that I learned recently. Yeah, that's really interesting. You have to feed, feed the soul. Yeah. You know? But no, yeah, I actually do like love to grill. Um, my home eats section on my Instagram um, is full of grilling stuff. Like I've done chicken, and that shit looks so good. You know, I've literally like done. What else have I done? Oh, them kebabs I made with that marinade on there. Ooh, bitch, with them peppers and onions. <laughs> you can't beat it. You can't beat it. I cannot wait to put an- another kebab on the grill. Amen. Amen. So, aside from getting y'all hip to just the things y'all think we wouldn't do or have done, because I have thrown, I can't even run 100 yards anymore. Um, I can't even get up the steps without losing my breath. But anyway, we are going to get y'all hit. You need to stop this. smoking all that weed. I don't smoke. Talk to your other friend, Jordan, about that. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. Not no more. But uh, we like to get y'all to hit some new shit. So this week, I thought it would be timely to talk about uh, George M. Johnson's best-selling memoir, All Boys Are Blue. Now, his book has been out for a while, so if you haven't been hit to it, that's a problem in itself but gabrielle union's i'll have another productions has optioned television rights to all boys are in blue to develop a television series with sony pictures tv 
Um, oh, that's a TV series. A TV series, yes. So that's new. That's new. It's new and it's exciting. Um, if you didn't know, he is a journalist and LGBTQIA plus activist. The book is very, very heart wrenching. There are so many things where he talks about um, getting his teeth kicked out, to loving relationship with his grandmother, to just talking about the duality of being black and queer. I won't really necessarily touch upon everything that went on in the book because I don't want to spoil it, but um, it really talks about what we're going to talk about today in terms of toxic masculinity, gender identity, black joy, different things of that nature. So if you are an audiobook person and you're also dramatic, there was a dramatic reading that you can find mm-hmm. on YouTube um, with some notable names there. Um, so I know Dylan Burnside from Pose was someone who was dramatic reading as well Delon. as Delon, excuse me. I've never heard his name before. <laughs> Delon, which makes sense. And uh, Jennifer Lewis um, is also a part of the dramatic reading. So go ahead and go on YouTube and listen to it before the TV well, that's series. that's about to be loud. Really loud. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, Jennifer. Hey, no. Jennifer has levels, okay? You better watch her mouth. <laughs> she is a trained actress. I was about Ooh. to say, because we need to give her her flowers while she's around, honey, because Jennifer Lewis does what she has to do. Oh, I remember, absolutely. Yeah. I watched that ep- the episodes of Girlfriends that she guest starred as Tony's mother. Mm-hmm. That that is one of that's some good shit right there. Like she she should have got an Emmy for guest actress off of that. I mean, Black Mother shit, of Hollywood. Yeah. Her and so Loretta Devine. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Which y'all show was, I think it's called... The Carmichael Show? No, it, it has both of them. It's the Darn. cookout. It's about, um, like, Loretta Devine has a secretly, like, a DL son that comes out in the movie. And, like, Jennifer Lewis, like, has this whole talk like the dinner, dinner table with the man that just came out. And was like, oh, that's show lover. Like, this is some real progressive shit here. Like, it's it's hilarious. Like, it's <laughs> one of my favorite movies. Wait, the the cookout is that the one with like Queen Latifah is and it? like making good in it? It might not be the cookout. It it. I don't think it's the cookout. Because the, the, the cookout is when the the NBA star got like his contract or whatever, and mm-hmm. he like moved out to a big house and he had a cookout. That's his not family it. came. It's, it's dirty that. laundry. Dirty laundry. dirty laundry. Yes, dirty laundry. Let's do this dirty laundry. That's what it is. Oh, yeah. and it got the I don't know his name, whatever his name is with the bald head, the light skin one. He's always bisexual. Boris Kojo. No, this one. Common. Him. I don't know his name. It don't oh, matter. He, he's in nine one one. It's at the top. at the left. Yeah. He's in nine one one. He's uh, gay on nine one one too. I wonder if he's a gay man. Gay for pay. No. Oh my god, Jermaine. We're not that progressive. Oh my god. Gay for pay. His name is Rockman Dunbar. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I know him. He was in Girlfriends, too. Is and he gay? Some, what's her name? Some more is in it. No. Yeah. It's a shit, though. It's a shit. And it has some funny-ass parts that me and my mother quote, like, consistently, like, with a fat ass. I love that part. Um, I'm but... <laughs> With what we plan to talk and to discuss today, um, Jordan kind of provided a quick like um, look into what this episode is going to be about, um, and I think that it really will be an interesting one. So make sure that you tune in for the entire conversation. 
But really, um, this, there is this word that has been kind of permeating in culture, and the word is toxic. It has become like a token word associated with like, I'm going to say this millennial generation, so like Gen Z, cusp of millennial generation. Um, and at this point, it is a big gaslighting, at least to me, due to its ability to desensitize whatever you're referencing. Um, whether you hear like this is a toxic environment or that friendship ended up being um, toxic. And in an urban dictionary fashion, toxicity references constructs that ultimately break down and intentionally fair just like a respectful social dynamic. Um, and as it pertains to gender expression, we see toxic masculinity repeatedly mentioned. And for good reason, um, this is like one of, the, one of the few topics where toxic is actually a part of the concept. But nevertheless, there's still some conflicting interpretations of this term. Um, and it is simply in which a man presents himself, um, or is it simply like within a man, how a man presents himself, or really is it rooted in the expectations that they hold for other members of society and how those other members conduct themselves? So whether you are gay, straight, man, woman, something in between, or do not subscribe to those identities at all, we have all experienced a fair show of toxic masculinity. Um, and so for today's conversation, um, we're going to unpack some of our personal experiences. So this is a chance to be very vulnerable uh, with what it is that we have encountered. Um, and then also identify what are some traits that really um, support what toxic masculinity really is. So to start off, um, I want to give y'all a a scenario. Um, this scenario just happens to be really true of an experience that I've had. <laughs> an experience That's that so I funny because you said scenario. I was like, nigga, this is definitely not a scenario. <laughs> this is like a case study. Yes. Uh, let me give y'all a case study. A case study. More, yeah. Of an experience that I had um, when I recently was going to get my ball fade, which this nigga put a lot of Beijing in my hair, but that's a different story. Um, so... It was probably, what, a week ago now, um, about a week ago, where I hey. walked into a space that we all know too well, um, my barbershop, just to get, you know, my look right, like I typically do. Um, and upon walking in, of course, there are all of the, like, this barbershop is packed, and I was lucky concerned, because I'm like, y'all, the whole pandemic, and y'all ain't skipping chairs or nothing in this bitch. Mm. So I walk in and sitting down, and I'm wearing Chelsea boots because I, I forgot where I was going, but like, I mean, I'm clickety clacketing through, and everybody's like looking at me, and like, <laughs> I already felt like they already had this preconceived notion of how I carried myself and how I was, and really like my sexuality based on just how I was dressed. But I sat down, and I noticed that they were in conversation about um, um, everything going on, like with the um, like the Capitol, like insurrection, all of that stuff. And they were talking about how one of the guys was like, I cannot believe that something like that would happen in D.C. And, like, you would think that um, the officers would be right on it and um, protecting our capital. And they just let all the people just storm it. And so you kind of had this back and forth of, like, why can't you believe it? Like, this is something that makes sense if you look at the history of America, et cetera, et cetera. And then they asked me how I felt. And the thing is, typically in that space, I like to just get my hair cut and bounce. Like, I don't mm. want to talk, I don't want because I know that mm. I'm going to have, some, my perspective is going to cause some type of dissonance, and I'll just be like, let me just cut my hair, sorry. But he asked me the question, I'm like, all right, whatever case may be. Um, but how do you feel? I was like, actually, even though I can't say it was surprising, it was something that almost brought me to tears, 
just because we have all of these different things that have happened recently, probably within like the last three years, I'd say, honestly, that are a reminder that we are in an unjust system, you know, kind of that, that whole thing. And I realized they cut me off when I said, like, it brought me to tears, like in the middle of explaining how I felt about that experience, how I felt about how I received, like, you know, everything going on with the Capitol, et cetera, et cetera. They, they cut me off at the point. Uh, it brought me to tears. And they was just like, you ain't crying about this shit. Why are you? I'm like, I was kind of getting worried, you know, kind of like, worried. Like they said that, like, out their mouth? Yes. Yes. Mm. They was like, I mean, because after I said what I said, I mean, you heard comments that was like, this ain't shit to cry about. And, you know, whole nine, whole nine yard. Like, it was, it was this thing of they were shocked that, it would cause me to that much like emotion, I guess you could say. Um, and so with that, I, as soon as I left, I was, I called my mother and I was like, you know, as I do all the time, as after I go get a haircut and I tell her about, you know, those type of spaces that I believe exhibit, exhibit toxic masculinity. Um, and she actually asked this question that I think that we were kind of discussing for a little bit um, of, is was that space hyper masculine or was it toxic masculinity exhibited? And it's something that I want to pose to y'all and see what y'all think about that because I know that this barbershop experience isn't just specific to me and and my walk in life. Like, what what is y'all take on you know whether a space is hyper masculine or toxic masculine? I would say that that is like toxic masculinity compared to hyper because like the way i see like toxic masculinity is like it's your inability to say let someone else experience emotions in a different way than you might um stuff them down per se so like toxic masculinity is like more or less the policing Mm -hmm. of the way that somebody else presents Whereas hyper masculinity could be possibly more, um, more inner focused than toxic. So it's like, like hyper masculinity is just like how you are presenting. Whereas like toxic is like you telling somebody else that they can't get like emotional that our country is slowly falling apart. Mm. So like in that instance, I think that the men in the barbershop were experiencing um, or not experiencing as much as ex- exhibiting toxic masculinity because they didn't understand mm-hmm. that all boys aren't blue. So I have a quick question before Jordan responds. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just don't want you to lose this point. So do you think that if a person does, if a person doesn't allow themselves to experience emotion, so like my barber, the person who said that that word, is that some type of toxicity within himself? Because I know you said that it's like hypermasculinity is more so internal. If he's not allowing himself to experience emotion, like if he's verbally saying that, is that toxic? I th- I think it's both. Like, I think that is like both things happening at once. Mm, so okay. I do recant my statement. Well, okay, so for one, yeah, I'll say that my example that I just gave I didn't mean for that to be like the end all be all, mm-hmm. but just like a way that toxic max- masculinity can show up in a man. Interesting. Okay. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I don't... Ma- it's it's hard because masculinity is, is a problem within itself. Like if we if we think about masculinity in a Western society, it's all a problem. It's all built upon hegemonic masculinity. So this white ideal of the way in which white men act has been a lot of the way in which other people and other races and ethnicities aspire to be. Um, so I, I feel like it exists within the barbershop, but I don't necessarily know if I would call it toxic because I feel like a lot of masculinity is toxic. So I, I don't necessarily know if I differentiated it. I would just call yeah. it masculinity. We are conditioned from the beginning to not cry, to be strong. W- what are you upset about? Um, you know, depression, what do you have to be depressed about? Like, you know, that's not even affecting you. Why are you crying? Like, so... If yeah. that's the case, then everybody's toxic because we've been... Now, there are some anomalies, of course. Like, there are some people who are very invested in making sure that their child is able to express no matter their gender identity, no matter their gender expression, sexuality, whatever. But a core portion of America, the, the people that identify as male or men, have some sort of masculinity that closes off emotion so yeah i feel like we when we walk into the barbershop a lot of black men are going to do that so (sighs) especially when they ask you your opinion that's what bothers me or they just impose it on you like oh how many how many girls are you taking down what don't you have a wife like why (laughs) i'm saying i'm fucking saying that shit sends me to the fucking moon because get a divorce literally because I know that your wife is not also in an open relationship, so y'all need to do something about that. I'm not afraid. In those moments, I'll be like, like, I'll flip the switch real fast. I'll be like, well, shit, not as many dudes as I'm putting down. Like, I, that's mm. the one time that I'll be like, quick with it. But, Jordan, what you said is really interesting, because I was reading this article about um, how all masculinity is toxic. Like, yes. literally, that was, like, the title of the article. And you're right, it's because of, like, those social constructs that are put up. Um, something else that I thought about and I didn't know if it was possible, but also in that barbershop, there were a, like, of course, like little boys that were like getting their hair cut too with their mothers. And I realized that the reaction to what I said, they supported like every, everything that everybody was saying in regards to like, like, why are you crying? Like, you really cried about something like that? And so my question for y'all is like, is it possible for a woman to push forward the agenda of toxic masculinity. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, this, it's funny because I just did a reading discussion about, we were talking about sexual identity development, but the uh, there was a reading talking about um, how, it was specifically talking about Asian American, uh, no, Filipino American, excuse me, and how hegemonic masculinity affects them. And I went further to say it affects everybody. And I think that, when you are a woman, and especially the way in which you interact with men, they want those characteristics where they want a strong man who doesn't cry, who takes care of the home, who, you know, a lot of people will say that, that you know, puts them in check, roughs them up a little bit, da 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 da. And I feel like then they impose that on their children and people around them because I've had a lot of times where I would go over somebody's house or like, you know, whatever, and I would say, oh, I'm hurt. Oh, suck it up. You're my friend's mom. Like I, I 
I don't know why you're talking to me like this, but I'm hurt. Like, I'm bleeding. You're telling me to suck it up. Throw some dirt on it. Like, so yeah. I feel like they do, they are able to reinforce it. And sometimes I feel like they're even able to create it because then you have to have that conversation about people who are single parents. So where do their children that identify as male and men then get their sense of masculinity? And I think that sometimes they are able to create it and reinforce it. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. it low-key reminds me, I, don't, I know y'all probably have heard about like B. Simone's comment on Valentine's Day. I'm not there, giving her airtime. Uh... <laughs> Jermaine, did you hear about, you know about her comment, right? The is her comment like that TikTok that she made with somebody else's voice? Is that the comments that she no, made? No, no. Basically, she was oh. saying how if and I, I don't, it, it, I've seen I see kind of her intention, and then I see also like what she really did. But pretty much, she was saying that if you are looking for a certain type of man, then you have to think about what that type of woman who that woman is that that man would have and start to work on like the characteristics that that woman should have. So like, if you want, basically she was referring to like being equally yoked. Right. But my thing, she, she was referring to cooking and cleaning and washing everything. <laughs> I mean, I, yes, that was obviously an aspect of it, but I thought about it. Like there are a lot of women that I know personally who look for, I hear the, the phrase, a man's man. And I think that that really does mean hyper-masculine man. And so, like, taking her look at it, like, her type of what she was saying and applying it to, like, that idea of looking for a man's man, what does that mean that, like, the woman is supposed to have? Like, what are those characteristics of that woman now? Like, does that mean that you have to feminize yourself? Does that mean that you have to be in a space to where you need someone. Um, I was kind of just thinking about, like, what are all the implications to the comments that, that she made? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. I literally, I I just cannot get past, like, the point that Jordan made about how, like, all masculinity is toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Like, because th- that one, I'm not going to lie, like, that shit took me back from it. I was like, huh? But then I started to like think about it, and like, like all gender roles are are yeah. toxic. Mm-hmm. And it's like if you feel that you have to perform in a certain way to fit in a certain box, and you don't have the freedom to present how you would like to present, then that is toxic. Mm-hmm. So tying that back to like be Simone or whatever, because she feels that like she has to fit into a certain mold to attract a certain type of gentleman caller then she is exhibiting <laughs> toxic masculinity because she's perpetuating the fact that she wants a hyper masculine man mm-hmm. to fit her needs of a man so when they get into that relationship she's also going to expect him to not cry she's going to expect him to make yeah. more money than her which is yeah. going to like you know once again perpetuate the toxicity of it all and the fact that the woman always has to like the idea that the woman has to be inferior to the man, mm-hmm. right? It's like all those things are gonna come along with that, and then she's gonna be like, "Why doesn't he listen to me? Right? Why doesn't he pay attention to my emotions? Why won't he let me in?" Girl, girl that's, that's what, what the fuck you asked. Ask? Exactly. Exactly. Right. 
and then it's like like they, they find a man that is more how do you say in tune with your emotions and it's like oh he's just he's just such a little punk ass nigga that nigga gay. right <laughs> right right <laughs> that nigga gay you know that's that shit i'm so happy like i don't like first of all like the shade room get out of here like toxic twitter i'm glad that i'm not on that like the people that are around me are good educated folks and they understand social dynamics and i am so 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 most of them for that like we yeah but i am followed the ones that don't so i'm uh curating my filter level i i like to study those characters though like the characters where i don't always agree with what they do because Mm -mm. i've tried to um I'm I'm in a space where I'm trying to extend a deeper level of empathy and understanding why it is that they feel the way that they do. Because I think that hmm. in order hmm. to open up conversations to undo certain perspectives, it's important to understand how the hell did you get here. And not that I'm keeping them, keeping those type of people around me for like my own plus. Because the thing is, when I keep them around me, it's like at a far distance to where I'm just like, oh, so that's your story, like. Even with B. Simone and her, that that being her perspective on how she needs to conduct herself to get to attract the man that she wants, it's like the fact that she kept talking and explaining herself. I'm like, you know what? I heard somebody say something very similar to this, and that probably was their perspective, and that's probably why they have this view on the world. You know, that's kind of how like I look at it. You know, especially because I don't feel that it um, it really is like a case study for me. Mm. I just study it, and that's it. But, um, Jordan, um, I know that you mentioned um, your whole huddle shit. And, <laughs> I, you know, I just wanted to unpack maybe what your experience was like. Well, I mean, y'all all heard the locker room talk. It's locker room talk. Like, what? what Bro, is locker room talk? That's just boys being Sexual boys. assault? Like, I don't want to hear about these conquests of you taking down all these women and then wondering why the one woman that you're trying to attract doesn't want to be interested in you. So this is my particular experience with talking masculinity is, you know, I was messy in high school, like very messy. So it's to the point where we don't have enough time. But um, no, no, no. You were stirring the pot. I I wasn't stirring the pot, but understanding that I understood how different type of masculinity dynamics. And I don't know if it was because I, that's just how I wanted to treat women at the time. And then later men and whatever the case may be, but I understood some of the things that they were doing were disgusting, incorrect. Like it didn't make any sense. So I was friends Mm -hmm. with their girlfriends and I was friends with them. So it would get to a point where they would invite me places because they were doing stuff that they weren't supposed to be doing. And knowing that it was like, don't tell Jordan because he's going to be, I'm going to be put in a position where I have to tell your girlfriend, because why are you doing that? Like it, like it, it, it was compromised. And I was okay with it because I'm like, don't invite me anywhere that you're not, you're going to be doing something you're not supposed to be doing. Cause it would get to the point where I would right. be hanging out with some of my female, right. Hanging out with some of my female friends and they're arguing with their boyfriend and they're like, Oh, we got to pull up and I'm in the back seat. Then I got to go to practice someone on Monday and they don't block for me. No, that's not how this is going to go. So I'm like, I just don't invite me. Don't, don't do any of that. And then it also got to the point where, you know, it's even from the, the players to the coaches. The coaches would always say weird shit to me, which I knew what it meant. 
but they would be like, you're different. You don't have to do all that. So like when I would be getting emotional or my mouth was just smart, they'd be like, oh, you don't have to do all that. You you know, you're getting, you're, you're emotional. But then, so they challenge when your masculinity is different in the performance, but it's okay for them to then say, slap your ass and say, good play. It don't make no motherfucking sense. My so I'm not allowed boy? to question, right. I'm not allowed to question the way in which you touch people and, and call you out and say, oh, you know, why are you touching another man's butt? But as soon as my voice goes a little bit too high, it's, why do you talk like that? Did they say no homo? No. No, no, no. no. Oh. They just slap your ass and say good play. So I feel like in the realm of football, there is a, the way in which masculinity presents itself is very nuanced. And the one of the biggest things that I've, I played football since I was six years old, and they always said football teaches you how to be a man. No, and no. I'm like, angry concussed like i, I need for us to have that conversation right so i definitely feel like football and i want y'all's opinion and maybe other sports i feel like that's a breeding ground for masculinity in ways that do not coincide with where we want to be mm-hmm. i feel that Ooh. hard because like it's like you look at sports and you wonder why a a decent amount or like a yeah like i'll just say like a decent amount of like queer men are not interested in sports it's because it's a space that doesn't welcome us consistently mm-hmm. so like the proof is in the pudding mm. yeah. jordan your mention and this is something that like we can go down a rabbit hole with it your mention of how where toxic masculinity and loyalty like intersect is really interesting to me mm-hmm. because there is, and I told somebody this other day, the other day, like we glorify loyalty as an association to friendship, but I feel like it should more so be honesty. And kind of mm-hmm. how I feel is that I, I truly feel that if me and another person are in a disagreement and I may not like the other person. My friend has every right to take that other person's side if I'm just flat out wrong. Because I expect Mm -hmm. them to Mm -hmm. tell me what is honest, what is true, Mm -hmm. and, you know, like, what is the right perspective. And I think that in terms of, like, how toxic masculinity forms in our society is this notion of, like, I have a friend who I know don't listen to this podcast, so I'm going to call his name out. One of my friends, Brandon, (laughs) <laughs> it was like one of my childhood friends growing up. He was good for like taking me to his side holes houses and being like, oh, don't tell my girl or don't tell. And I'd be like, no, I'm going to tell her. Like you right. to her, me and her headed off. We cool. I'm going to tell you, even if I don't tell her, like right there and there, I'm going to encourage you to tell her because yes. that's wrong. Like flat out. Yeah. And there's this thing of like, with toxic masculinity, you're supposed to present yourself like you have it all together for one, and for two, like you can have your cake and eat it too. Like, mm-hmm. as a hyper-masculine performing person, you should be able to, your masculinity deserves the right to, I guess, in terms of society, you can have a bunch of hoes. Mm-hmm. And, and as okay. long as you keep in your girl cover and you might have like a roof over her head or like buying her stuff or like 
then she shouldn't have a problem because right. he's that's just a man's man, you know. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Like the it's just the implications that like hypermasculinity has on loyalty. Like and just masculinity mm-hmm. in general, like I think that I think and like I don't want to get emotional, but like sometimes you can get I emotional. Get emo- that's the thing. You have the you have Literally. the permission. This is a brave no, space. I- I'm 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 a like we won't my audio will be muffled and I won't be able to get anything out if I start to cry. So in the interest of moving forward, um, I it, it's it's really hard to think about you know just the the way in which people tell you how to be yourself, you know, and because gender identity and gender fluidity and all this other stuff is not something that people talk about when you're six years old and you step into the, you put on a helmet and shoulder pads and they tell you to stop being a punk and a sissy and stop acting like a little girl and all this other stuff. And it's just like, it's, is it for me to be acting like a little girl? Is that like just crying? Because we have bigger issues than you thinking that me crying is closer to femininity. Like, let's talk about why you're not crying. And I I wanted to bring up the question to think about if it's safe to even just kind of like impose this type of redirection of masculinity because you see a lot of uh, football players who come out as like gay or not, um, or they're married and they love their wife and they don't cheat. And people are like, oh, he, he's different. He's, he's different. Or, you know, the people that come out as gay, they're, you don't hear about them again. And I remember watching uh, the Brooklyn Saints on Netflix and I started to cry because the coach is literally telling these black and brown boys, like, it's okay to cry. I got you. If you need me, call me. He's like, if you need to scream, come to me and we'll scream together. If you like, it was every practice. I love you. I'm like, some people don't tell me I love you at all. And this coach is telling Mm. these kids he loves them to the point where they know it's okay to tell another man. That they love yeah. them back. Powerful. And I'm like, you don't see that. In football or with in certain masculinity, they'll put that's tough under pictures or a heart and all this other stuff. And I'm just just say that man. Uh, looks a, fine black and go. a black heart. A black heart. It's gotta be a black yeah. heart. It's gotta yeah, be it's a black heart. Or you gotta say no homo. Like it's, it's no homo. gay. It's gay no, we've we've moved from no homo. If you've noticed, a Sometimes. lot of people don't say that anymore. It's they they will show their affection. But it's limited. There's a cutoff, and the way in which they say it is it's a problem. Very particular. And there's a safety to it, and it's like I wonder what caused people to shift to say, even to say "love you" or "put a heart." But there's still a safety to it. And it's like I don't want yeah. people to think that we're doing something, but I smacked your ass at the game. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. Like, That's, in fact, Jermaine. Now that I think about it, you Jermaine was the first person that I said, I love you too, that was a man, and it had no type of hesitation. Because everyone else around us, like in terms of, we were from Cleveland, and it was very much so like the no homos, the, you know, mm-hmm. that that whole thing. And I think that because that wasn't even on our, even though it was supposed to be terrible, that wasn't even on our radar of like interest in each other. It was a thing of like, if I say I love you, I don't have to be like, but I don't mean like that though. I mean, you're a black card, yeah. you know, rare. It's really, and I think that it's because their masculinity is so fragile that they have to put those different, like, they have to implement those tools to, to protect themselves. But, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Whew, child. This is already <laughs> so much. Um, anyway, last but definitely not least is my personal story. Welcome to my TED talk. Um no, but <laughs> but um as like most of you all that listen may know, or maybe not, who knows? Uh I am a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. Uh oh which my is God, I know, I literally hate that shit. Like, oh my god, you're a Kappa? Like, yes, and geez, what? Um so I like the the kind of like toxic masculinity that I experience in that space, I think is um different from kind of like what y'all have experienced because I think that that experience comes like the toxic masculinity comes with like a higher rate of hyper masculinity in the way that the men in the space always see it as um, a goal to be more manlier than the person next to them. Mm. And like for me, like someone who is like now openly gay and even when like before now I would like dress kind of like leaning like more towards the like androgynous kind of like non-binary kind of area like that's where my style lies so like me kind of just like being myself like I always was I felt that I did not fit in like not to say that that idea was perpetuated by other people but just the way that in things were going it um it it almost kind of like pushed me towards like the you know the own like kind of shame thoughts that people get like oh like i don't fit in here like oh i don't belong here like those kinds of things were like almost like part and parcel with my experience with the frat um of course like i have my couple dudes like my a couple of my pros and a couple neos that i'm like really close to but like beyond that like i haven't been able to find um like the deeper connections that people kind of like preach that you'll get automatically when you join a black fraternity and I think that is because I present like not manly all the time. Um, so like on top of the fact that it's like harder for, for me to get those connections, I also like see it as like I have enough connections. So like I'm also like not gonna like try to force my hand to make some shit shake mm-hmm. either. The moment that like the toxic and hyper masculinity kind of like really like reveal its head together at the same time. Um, I was with like a bunch of my, my frat bros and we were like talking to whatever. This was what, like year and a half ago, like not, not too long ago. Um, and we were just like all talking and somehow like the conversation got to how um, some of the bros like treat women, like how they interact with them. And um, one of them was getting on the other one talking about like, oh, like you need to like treat him better. Like that's not good. Like you shouldn't be doing that. Like that kind of shit. And then the other one goes back with like, oh, like you being nice to women. Like, oh, like that's gay. And I'm sitting, I'm literally sitting there in the kitchen with them. And they like laughing like this shit was like, it was a joke. Like it was literally a joke. Mm -hmm. And I was just sitting there not laughing with like the straightest face. Like, do you see me? You see me? Yes, I see you. You see me? Hell yeah, I see you. Both of us sitting here looking like two big barnies. We see each other. Like, literally, like, I'm sitting right here like, I suck dick. Like, like what? Oh my God, Jermaine. Stop, shut up. We don't want to know what goes on in your bedroom. Respectability politics. We don't know her. Let's not forget what what our bio says. Literally. (laughs) Um, 
So like I'm we already like, said gay for pay. So literally, so so in that moment, like I literally went back into my shell. I was like, oh, this is not yeah. the space for me. Like I don't belong here. Clearly, because yeah. if I did belong here, you would see my humanity, and that joke wouldn't have came out your mouth, and it wouldn't have been funny. But I feel like even in your culture, like. When I say in your culture, like in Greek culture, um, I'm dead. it's <laughs> for y'all. I feel like there is this thing of like, how many girls can I fuck in the shortest amount of time, and that is now like my new status. The higher I get, the higher my status goes. The, the like, more women I can receive. Exactly, mm-hmm. and like even how. Um, I think that specifically the men within Greek culture, how they, I'm going to say, dominate spaces that they enter, I think that that is in and of itself asserting your masculinity into these spaces. Like, the way in which it's done, I've literally sat in, in spaces like at Cincinnati, at University of Cincinnati, there's like um, different workshops and sessions. And whenever like alphas or capital are walking in, they would feel they can just like stand in front of everybody or like take the seats in the front of the classroom or like go like, like there was kind of this sense of privilege that they felt like they had in that space mm-hmm. and it was them asserting their dominance which is highly mm-hmm. related to mass you know what Absolutely. i'm saying so i just yeah I, <sighs> yeah i understand you know yeah and let's like not even get it. to greek life as a status symbol like Please, please. I really, I think that the the piece of them not seeing you as who for who you, like who you are, who you presented to be, I think is a big piece. I feel like while I feel like if it was a require if discrimination or something, there wasn't a requirement to accept everyone. I personally feel that it would be made a point to say straight black men um and from my a lot of the programming that i see that comes out of like let's say the greek organizations that are on my campus they're geared towards straight black men and i'm like you but you have people who are and identify as queer within these organizations and mm-hmm. you're not there's an invisibility piece and they almost mm-hmm. expect you to not be queer when you come to yeah. sign up for the organization mm-hmm. and it's like there's this almost expectation that and if you are queer to kind of like put this invisibility on it and yeah. it's like or they place yeah. this invisibility on you where it's kind of like you know you exist within this space and that's fine but you know outwardly make sure that you don't allow other people to know that is in connection with this organization right. and that's exactly. one of the reasons why i like even when i in the slightest thought about it i'm just like one i'm a lot of the people that did it at pit i'm like i i don't even want to just even be around you in general so just doing this process is just gonna piss me off but i just just seeing the way in which y'all are on the daily mm-hmm. is just something that i don't want to participate in and that's detached from the organization so i'm not shaming the organization i'm just shaming the people because i'm just like i y'all are not gonna like me and i just know For that sure. because of my identity yeah and i think that the 
what you just like explained, like from what I heard, is definitely like the the silencing of like LGBTQ like voices in Greek life. And I think like one thing that I've noticed that perpetuates that a lot is like this, um, this like joke, like whenever something like happens and like and it, like this is like stuff that I literally see like in like comment sections on social media, which means that this is what people believe in real life. So like it'll be like some something like comes up. And it, it makes it easy to like equate um, like a member of a fraternity being gay. So it's like, oh, like, boom, like all the alphas are gay. And like, that's like the joke. Or it's like, boom, all, all capitals are gay. And that's the joke. And it's like LGBTQ people <laughs> are everywhere. So there Every is no, literally, there's no one organization everywhere. that has more queer people than the other based on like that like organization being whatever so like the the fact that you can sit here and equate to me rotating my shoulders in a sexual motion to like being gay means that you don't even know what that's like because gay is not a personality trait gay is a sexuality Mm -hmm. it just so happens you are gay right right but let's also talk about how that then them saying all Kappas are gay or all alphas are gay are making it seem like those are the only places where then they can be accepted. So it's then further perpetuating that, you know, let's say Francis Sigma's, oh, they're not going to accept anybody gay. Like if you're going to be a Kappa, go, you know, go be gay as a Kappa. And it's like, okay, well, like, you know, I can go do that if that's what I want to do. But let's talk about why you're not accepting me because you see that outwardly or you got to know me or you see me out with, you know, my significant other. And I, it's just hard. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And let's not straight black men are hard. Them, a lot of them is like, I'm not gay. I identify as DL. Like it's different. <laughs> I ain't with that gay shit. But like, they, they definitely you know. don't say I identify as DL. Because <laughs> 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 I'm not, gonna, it just so happens that you know, I'm not. I'm not going to say that I, I don't subscribe to everything in DL. But when I was in experimentation, it just so happens that most of the people that I experimented with were a part of Greek culture. And it's funny because when we had these conversations, there was never even a desire to come out because they never felt the need. Like it was like Mm-mm. they're protecting DL, DL for DL, mask for mask. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think it's a protection though. Also, like we, we we can do a whole episode about this. I don't know if we or we would be allowed, but I think it's a protection by stepping into a space with other black men because again, with sports, I think you're protected in that element. Oh, I'm not I'm not DL. What do you mean I like men? Don't you see what I'm doing? Yeah, you like to play with balls. Like I see what you're doing. Like, <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? And I think it's a protection because it's like you're around all these other straight men. It's like, well, why did you choose me? Where did you get that from? Well, I mean, you just sent me a message on this. But okay, okay, okay. Not in public. You I get you. I get you. I get you. <laughs> you call it a bussy, but it's still a booty hole. <laughs> I, uh, I hate that word. Period. This is an ass. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> totally different. <laughs> I'm weak. Oh my goodness. Y'all are yeah. fucking clowns. Um, but anyway, so I think I think that was wonderful. Good job, y'all. Period. That's how you talk about masculinity. 
Um, so moving on, who is ready for a little debating? Raise your hands. Let's go. Oh, show of hands. Yeah. Three out of three. Like they could see that. Right. <laughs> But, you know, like, honestly, like, I love a good spirited debate. So, like, this section of the podcast is, like, definitely slowly becoming my favorite. So, welcome to Black Blasphemy, where I get to argue with people for fun. Um, so, <laughs> so, this week, there is dissension among a movie that is almost basically universally acclaimed. Even winning the White Man's Academy Award for Best Picture best adapted screenplay and best supporting actor back in 2017 so if you are not aware of what movie we're talking about by now this film is goes by the name of none other than moonlight and the argument that is on the table right now is that moonlight is not a good movie for career representation so who said it should i did i did and I stand by what I said because I said it. Um, mm. I mean, because for one, we don't even know what the identity of the main character is. He said at the end, you're the only man I've ever been with and people just took it and ran with it. And it's like, this nigga gay. But like, at the end of the day, for one, I think that for this to be considered a queer movie and for that actor to not be queer, we need to unpack that too. Um, but for me, it was a thing of like that, that doesn't represent what the queer experience really is until you acknowledge this individual identity for me. The queer experience. Are you, are you uh, saying that there's only one experience? So, uh, there's only one I'm experience. Ex- I'm, a, I'm saying there, that doesn't represent a queer experience without acknowledging the individual as being queer. That's crazy because I was supposed to be neutral, but I think I'm about to argue. But Jordan, you go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I, I, so when I sat down with my glass of wine and I watched the film, I said that this, this is, this is beautiful, right? Like I'm seeing two black bodies wanting and yearning to love on each other and um, experience each other in a sensual um, way that might or might not have, you know led to what we think it had led to because the movie ended without us knowing um but i i have a couple of issues with it but for what it was i enjoyed it but i particularly would say that i i have a problem with it just simply because it made this person be dl if you will and present this um hard exterior but also when we think about how we can categorize particularly black men that may be queer it then becomes an issue so i have an issue i like the movie overall i just have an issue with the fact that like we had a problem that this man was questioning in dl but i don't necessarily feel it as a problem because queer you know your sexual identity is fluid so it's like we think it's a problem because we want to put everybody in a box but if that's the experience that he went through to then figure himself out, why are we problem problematizing that? So I'm on the fence. I'm going to be honest. Okay. I didn't know that that's where this was going. Um, yeah. I'm gonna... But I, I personally like the movie. I mean, I, I think that especially that we just had this conversation about like men who identify openly as like DL 
and then mm-hmm. for us to see a story as a man who might be DL, who might be questioning, and like almost like invalidate that. Like I think that's a little ass backwards. Like I think that this yeah. movie showed bl- a black male experience. Like you look, and it. I think that the the power of it is that like after the first two scenes, like the first two, like you know, it was like young Chiron, and then like high school Chiron. Like that part three could have really went either way. And, like, Mm -hmm. I think that Mm -hmm. them choosing it to not choosing it, but like how they like set the film up, because obviously, like, it's adapted, so it follows a book. But, like, how they Mm -hmm. set like the film up, it it really just kind of shows like how black people, like, black men are kind of like, like, there's no like base. Like, however they grow up, however, like, a black man could like, grow and mature into an adult could really literally be based on which way the wind is blowing that day. Like mm-hmm. the smallest things can set your whole life path. And like, I think that because Sharon went through this experience where he was like beat up for like presenting, like maybe not as masculine as like other people like that, like, you know, impacted his older age and it made him present like super masculine, like on purpose but inside like he had he had to build up that exterior because there wasn't a space for him to be queer in, but my in thing his is experience this. as we become critical of certain films um because i think that this is kind of related to like when we were discussing soul too it's like is soul a good movie like is it a good movie it's a good narrative sure is mm-hmm. it a good movie for the black community probably there's some there's some issues there is this a good is Moonlight a good movie for the black community and is it just a good like you know storyline yeah of course for it to identify as black queer representation to me it creates this false sense of reality and that's another issue for me um the way in which it ends it ends with the two men embracing each other and i think that for me because i know a lot of individuals within our community that glorify being with a DL man, glorify being with a man that has a whole wife and kids, whole nine yards. I think that it creates this reality that you can have that. Like you can end up with the man that you want. You can end up being embraced by um, this straight presenting man. And I think that in regards to Moonlight, like it, it supports, like, it, it, to me, that is an issue to be going after, because um, wasn't he married, like, the man that he was interested in? Or, like, with someone? No? No, I don't, I didn't think so. Maybe. I, I, I think that he referenced his wife, or, like, what was you about to say? Yeah, I think he had some, I think he did have something going on, but I'm not too positive. Because for me, that was a big part of the issue. And I don't know, I just think that it it supported some toxic shit that goes on within Black queerness Mm -hmm. that we don't address. Mm. Yeah. But the narrative was good. Like, I I do, I do like the story. Right. I, 
this is my last point. I understand what you're saying because then it seems like um, all like black queer men go after men with kids and husbands and break up homes and different things like that. And like they do their husband's CEO, like we've seen that narrative many of times. Um, but I think we're, 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 we're very critical of black queer men in the sense that we're hyper-masculine and we're not. And I think that when we analyze it in that particular way, we have an issue there because that's happening in the queer community, period. Nobody checks white men for what they do and how they experience their queerness. And it's not a problem. And I, I, I also don't want to problematize because you, you said that you know, that they can have a straight man or somebody who presents straight. I think that's attainable. I think that, again, because we want to box everything, the fluidity of sexuality allows us to be able to have anything that we want because what is straight presenting? What is heterosexuality, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that the way in which it was presented in the film was like this DL man but everybody has their reality of what they go through through exploration. And while there might be some like problems that we see, I, I mm -hmm. feel like we all go through that. So I feel like there was a deeper meaning behind like this was his struggle to getting where he needs to go. We all might have not like slept with somebody's husband, but you know, we've all did something that allowed us to explore. What? No, <laughs> no, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. <laughs> I mean, never mind. I'm crying. Clean up, woman. Not quite. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, okay, th this will also be like my last point. And then we, we can go ahead and fasten this. I think that, like, the it also like touches on like a lot of other things that like go around it. So, like, think about that scene after Kevin and like Chiron had like left the beach, and like they like didn't talk to each other the whole way. Yeah. So like like I think that it it kind of depicted re really well that the struggle that black men have with expressing themselves like emotionally, physically, like sexually, like whatever that looks like. I think that that like personified mm -hmm. re really well because after they had that experience, mm -hmm. they didn't even have the words or like the the imagery or like the representation to explain what just happened to them. And I think like that's important. Like that needs to be seen. Mm -hmm. By somebody. Happen you sucking dick on the beach. Crazy. And, and think about think the pandemic. Mm. What? What does the pandemic have to do about that? I'm just saying they we know how suck dick on the beach regardless. Regardless, they were socially distant. Right, but oh! nobody else on that beach. There was the only two people on that on beach. beach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, y'all. Unfortunately, it is that time to wrap up for everybody that is keeping up with us. Thank you. We could be a lot to handle. We could be a lot to listen to. We could be a lot to deal with. Um, I hope you're enjoying the content. If you would like for us to cover something else and share our opinion, please check out our social media at Do Rags and Degrees Pod. Um, and you can also email us as well. Um, we have so many things that we want to share, talk about, um, and so many things that are happening that we want to discuss. Um, so topics are coming every day. Um, please continue to follow, like, and subscribe at all your favorite platforms. And we'll catch y'all next Wednesday. Say next Wednesday. Bye. Bye.